May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free from harm. May all beings love life. May all beings awaken. Welcome to another QQ Audio podcast. I'm DC, Poobah of Audio and QQ Archives, doing our bit to help preserve the legacy of Shunryu Suzuki and those whose paths cross his, and anything else that comes to mind. I pray that you and yours are safe and comfortable, free from economic hardship, and able to get out and do whatever it is you want within the limitations of the universal precept of do as little harm as possible. Oh, I have an important announcement to make. Today's podcast begins our fourth year of Cuke Audio Podcast. Well, uh, it's been great. I enjoy it, and uh, I look forward to doing more. I wish I could do more, yeah, especially uh, with guests. I'd like to do other types of guests, too. I'd like to do more life in Bali. I'd really like to do, I've, I've really thought a lot about doing a series called Doomer Radio, uh, <laughs> about uh, basically about the the state of the climate, uh, the threat of nuclear uh, war, and uh, that sort of thing. But, I don't know, uh, plenty of people on that. And uh, the stuff I do, there are fewer involved in it. <laughs> oh, and I'd really like to uh, get back to editing the Shunyu Suzuki audio uh, I haven't done that for a little while. It's on hold because, you know, of different stuff I'm trying to get done and just trying to concentrate. And uh, I don't know. It seems endless. And that seems more important than what I'm doing to me, really. So I might just start doing it again and, you know, do a certain amount every day Um and uh, do a certain amount of the other stuff every day. I'm not very good at that sort of discipline scheduling. I turn to, I tend to just work compulsively from one thing and then the other thing, well, I've got to get this done. But uh, we'll see. So uh, anyway, we'll see what's happening in the future. Uh, looking forward to season four of these podcasts. So today we have a guest, Elaine Meisner. Uh, Elaine uh, was a student at the San Francisco Zen Center, and she married uh, Richard Chaffee, who uh, was one of our very first podcast guests, uh, talking mainly about uh, Soto Zen, uh, stuff because he's a Soto Zen scholar, really neat guy. So I want to bring him back and do a more general one. Uh, so um, they went out to the East Coast and ended up in North Carolina. And uh, Elaine has worked for, for 28 years for the 
University of North Carolina Press. And she just uh, retired from there last year. There's a nice little article on her retirement from the University of North Carolina Press blog. Uh, and I'm, I'll put a link to it uh, on cute.com. Uh, if you go to go to the podcast page, and uh, it'll be linked to from there. Uh, there'll be a picture of her and a little blurb about her, and we'll include that there. Some uh, good photos, too. And she worked for seven years before that uh, in with the university press. She'll tell you which one. Might have been Yale. Uh, I forget now. Um, anyway, so look, uh, she's going to tell you about all that, about her experiences at Zen Center and wherever else our conversation leads. So uh, listen, after our pause to meditate, uh, we'll give Elaine a call. So when you hear the bell, if you're of such a mind, hit pause and meditate or whatever for as long as you wish. And when you're ready to come back, hit unpause and we'll be here to hit the bell to end the meditation or whatever. And we'll give Elaine Meisner a call. Hello, Elaine. <laughs> Hi, David Chadwick. How are you? I'm just fine, Elaine Meisner. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Nice to hear your voice. Yeah, good to hear yours, too. Good to hear, yeah. So, um, hey, Elaine, what, what are you up to now? Uh... Well, I retired on April Fool's Day in 22 from a um, long career in university press publishing. I started out with a couple of jobs in San Francisco publishing when I very soon after came to Zen Center. I remember taking my fry boots off in the was the gink, uh, the hallway, and going into the Zendo. Yeah, going into the hallway and the Zendo at the city yeah. center in San Francisco. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah, that's a very clear memory and kind of was a passage in a way, in many ways. But, um, so, I, yeah, and then I, so I've just retired after, yeah, about 20... Eight years at University of North Carolina Press, uh, building, I acquired books, building lists, uh, and it's very fresh in my, for me, of course, I still have a lot of good friends who were my authors and developing these list areas in religious studies, which they hadn't had before. 
Hmm. Um, yeah. Hmm. And um, Latin American and Caribbean studies, hmm. which I had not had any experience of, but was asked to take that on, and I quickly came to really love that, learn a lot about Brazil and Mexico and Chile and all kinds of places. Have you ever been to Latin America? Yeah, I I lived in Mexico for over a year oh. when I was, maybe I went there when I was 19 or, or just turning 20. Um, wow. And I've been back a, a little bit for over a month mm-hmm. once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it. Love it. Do you speak Spanish? I spoke, yeah, I I spoke enough to get by. Uh, Yeah, I I would talk to people. Uh, I'd go out and walk around town and talk to people. I loved uh, Argentina. That was nice, Brazil, Peru. But uh, did you get down there? So I I haven't spent much time there. I did go to Mexico once for one of the Latin American Studies Association conventions. I went to Guadalajara. And I've been to, let's see, uh, Puerto Rico, which is part of the United States, of course, and Cuba for 10 days. For um, The press paid for me to go down because I developed a very big Cuban studies list as well within my Latin American and Caribbean studies. And that was really interesting. That was in 80s. No, when was that? Uh, 86. No, no, not what am I talking about. I think that was... Like in 2000, uh, I think that was like around 2002 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. press paid for it. It was a big uh, historical meeting there of Caribbean historians. So that was, that was part of that. When you could still get, um, you know, permission to travel there for scholarly reasons. And huh. then the other, um, yeah, and the other list I did was, <laughs> was not, I'm not a Southerner. You're from Texas, right? Original? Fort Worth, yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, Fort Worth. Fort Worth, okay. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess you're sort of a Southerner. Nope, that's Southwest. <laughs> but, uh, no. Southwest. Oh, okay, all right. It, the, okay. the South okay. starts at Dallas next door. Oh, okay. I mean, I knew part of Texas was, you know, in spirit anyway, some some ways. But I um, was from New Jersey originally and then lived in California and Japan mm-hmm. and lots of other places. But Japan? I thought we'd end up. Did you say Japan? Yeah, we lived. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it, we lived there for three years. Why? Um, it was when Richard was doing his research for his dissertation. So we had moved for, after we got married in 85, we moved from Zen Center to New Haven where he started graduate school at Yale. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah. And then about four years after in, he had to do his research for his dissertation on Japanese. Buddhism. So we moved to Japan for three years, and uh, my daughter was born there in 1990. Oh, Zena. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And and where did you live in Tokyo? Yes. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Japan's and a good place to have a baby. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it was all together. Was your was um your kid Kelly, was he born in Japan? No, Clay. Kelly oh. was born at Green Gulch. Clay was born in Japan at a birthing center oh. with midwives. It was great. Oh. Oh um, wow. What year was that? Oh just ninety one. Ninety-one. Okay. Well, and okay. What, what year was Zena born? Nineteen ninety. So very close. Oh my God! You were there at the yeah. same time. Wow. Seems like it. I didn't realize you were there, but I wrote an article about it for the English language uh, newspaper about having a baby in Japan, and um, it was good. It was good all around. Different in some ways and better in some ways maybe, but anyway. Yeah. It was what it was. It was it was great. And it was fun having a baby there for two years before we moved back to New Haven and Richard, you know, finished his dissertation and then went on the job market and then we decided to move to North Carolina because that was the best job offer he got. Uh at, yeah. So I he he worked at North Carolina State University and then six years later got an offer from Duke, uh, which is where he's been now for, over, gosh, I think 20 years. And I immediately started working at UNC Press because we had a lot of connections between Yale University Press, where I was working and loved it, and then UNC Press. And I, I mean, I could tell you about my trajectory in, in publishing, but um, I ended up, like I said, acquiring these lists, building lists. That's what publishing scholarly publishing and most publishing is all about the list. What kind of list are you building? And then um, uh-huh. I also did food studies. So in in some way, and a lot of it was related to Southern culture, but we broadened it out after a while. But you see, what's so interesting is that so much of my experience over the years, and I'm sure you've found this and probably most people have, even if you think it's unconnected, you do bring a lot of your earlier interests into your development later on, because mm-hmm. I proposed to the press that we do a religious studies list, because I was a practitioner, and not that we were, not that when you do scholarly publishing about religion, you're, you know, it's supposed to be ruled by scholarly academic standards. You're not promoting a religion or something like that. But um but I did I did know enough about religion also having um a husband who was a graduate student in religion to propose it and then developed it. And I, I you know, it really became one of the foremost lists in religious studies in of all university presses, as was our Latin American and Caribbean studies. Oh, neat. The food studies was, yeah, the food studies was really, really interesting. I brought so much of my knowledge, um, practical knowledge, uh, into that. Hmm. So I worked with a lot of chefs and <clears throat> writers about food. We did all kinds of books about food. You mean chefs who wrote books? Exactly. Exactly. That's supposed to be the biggest, uh, the the most uh, productive area of publishing is uh, cookbooks. They, well, they can be. 
I think, in terms of money, but um, until you know, the money, you have to what? hit it right. Well, I mean, they can be very popular and sell a lot of copies, but they can also fall flat. You know, cookbooks. Is, well, they have a lot of competition. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, you said you were a practitioner. Uh, tell me about that. What were you practicing? <laughs> um, Zen Buddhism. Oh. I, you know, yeah, that's what I meant. I was a practitioner of a kind of religion, so I had a, a kind of um, oh, compassion for understanding religious practice and why, you know, religious tradition. So I was able to draw on that as I started moving in scholarly circles and signing up books about yeah. religious traditions. Yeah. So that's what I meant. Well, uh, and, uh, but tell me about your, your Zen Buddhist you, practice course, uh, in, in uh, North Carolina. Am I doing Buddhist practice? No, you said you were a practitioner. So, oh, I, no, I was referring back to... What, go ahead. Yeah, well, you were a practitioner in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I've Ever since I started at Zen Center in 1975, at the end of 75, you know, I've been a Buddhist practitioner. Yeah, well... Yeah. What what took you to Zen Center? Um, where did, where did you what what's your yeah. if you look back at your life? Is there a place where you had to, at some point where you'd go? Well, I'm not satisfied with what I am being told about life, or some, what's it all about? And got curious and wanted to look into it or something. This sort of like the spark you know, that develops the way-seeking you know, mind. Yeah, I think that I wasn't satisfied with, uh, let's see, my family was Jewish, and I feel culturally, you know, ethnically Jewish, but the the ideas, and this is shallow on my part, maybe, but it didn't, you know, it wasn't speaking to me. And I think what brought me to, I mean, I moved to San Francisco without knowing the Zen Center was there, but I had done a little bit of meditation and a, I was drawn to it at the end of college, just with some friends who told me about it. And then I, when I graduated from college, I was living in New Jersey, back home in New Jersey, and I went to um, Philip Kaplow's Center in Rochester, the Rochester Zen Center, and I did a weekend there. Uh huh. And it was, yeah, and it, you know, how it just felt so, I felt so connected to it. I felt like this is really interesting and speaking to me. And I remember he was there and he gave Zazen, um, he gave a short lecture after somebody else did Zazen instruction. It was a big Zendo, and they had a lot of people there for the weekend. And uh, he gave a talk, and I remember asking him a question. Hmm. I Do you remember him, what you uh, asked him? <laughs> yeah. What was it? I said, um, if there's no self, how can you um, 
see your face before it was born, before you were born or something like that. Good question. <laughs> and he gave me some good answer, which I don't remember. Uh-huh. And then they let us out for lunch. And another thing that struck me, and these are very strong impressions still, um, was that they had a buffet of lunch on the tables that we walked along and took. And the and the co- I've never seen cottage cheese that looked so vibrant or striking before in my life. And You've I never seen what? Because, uh, seen, seen what? Cottage cheese in a bowl. <laughs> and oh. I think it's because my senses were somewhat you know, oh, yeah. heightened um, from sitting for a while. So the cottage cheese was vibrant. That's terrific. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, that's great. And then, yeah, and then I worked, uh, made made some money, and then I moved to San Francisco, left my dear parents, uh, with whom I've always been very close. They're both gone now, but I struck out to San Francisco. In fact, I went by train, I remember my dad took me to New York, which was close, pretty close to where I grew up, and I got on the Empire Builder Amtrak, and I'd never seen him cry, but he had some, he was crying a little bit, and oh. I left, I know, and then we, I changed to the California Zephyr in Chicago, and that took me, I was reading Henry Miller, see, because the Beats was, as you, you probably know. I mean, I'd like to know if this affected you, but that whole ethos had affected me. And it was like the, it wasn't the very beginning of the 60s, but it was this absolutely countercultural moment. And I read, actually, Henry Miller came. He was pretty early on. But the Beats had been into reading him, and I liked reading him all the way through Truckee, California. I remember stopping there briefly, and that's where my daughter lives now. Ah, that's funny. Oakland. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. You said your daughter lives in Truckee, and and then you said something about Oakland? And then the train went through Truckee and let me, then the last stop, I think, was Oakland. Oh, that sounds like such a great train ride. I don't want to do it now. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) You could. You could. I know. I know. And senior citizens can get a great price. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Really? Okay. Yes. Yeah. You can get terrific tickets. Uh-huh. Ah, love trains. Oh, good. So you you landed in yeah. Oakland. What yeah. what what did you do? Uh, well, I the only person I knew in the area was my cousin Diane, and she lived in the in San Francisco, and she said I could stay with her for a few days. So I. I, you know, I took public transport, I guess, from Oakland to her place in San Francisco, which I don't, re- I think it might have been, yeah, I don't really remember where that was. And I stayed with her for about a week. Um, oh my God, you know, and I got jobs. I had three jobs at once. Um, it's part, all part time. And I quickly well, then, moved what, what, from what? her place. So after I'll a week, you, where did you move? Where did you move? To know, um, to Noe Valley, Sanchez Street. Oh, that's good. To a Victorian on Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. right between. Yeah, uh, it was. It was so. Yeah, it was great. And now those. Oh my God, those houses probably cost so much money. 
<laughs> yeah. So that was seven. Yeah, that was seventy-five. No, that was seventy. Yeah, seventy-five. Uh, very towards the end, and I moved into a house where everyone was renting a room. There were about five of us, and the rooms were. I was told, and I believe it, were painted to resemble a hamburger. So one room was painted like hamburger red. Another one is um, like yellow brown for the bun. Another one was mustard color. Another one was um, yellow, uh, green for lettuce. And another one was... <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. Ketchup colored. Yeah. And I... That was my home base. And the woman, one of the women who was in the house, Becky, she was really involved with Est, Werner Earhart. You remember that? Yeah. And this is 75? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, certainly. I remember Werner Earhart. <laughs> so, was, uh, so I got a job um, at in Maiden Lane in the Frank Lloyd Wright building. Do you know that little building? It's a beautiful little building. Oh, yeah. That's a building designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I can quite when I realized that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's on a little street downtown San Francisco. I can't remember. It's yeah, sort of near Lane. Chinatown somewhere. Uh, no, it's right off the square, like the Union Square. Oh, is it's that called right? Maiden Lane. Maiden uh-huh. Lane is the street, yeah. Oh. And, yeah. And it was just a little boutique, and I was, like, responsible for prepping the clothes and ironing and getting them out ready to go out front. It was crazy. And then I, but I, you know, I was always very, very um, concerned about supporting myself, obviously. So and then I got another job in a bakery all the way across town in Noe Valley. So I had to go back and forth between these jobs. Which bakery? And then, uh, I don't remember the name of it. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was just, it was like being in the front, not not baking. I don't remember. But I, I had a very good f- well, one of my best friends in San Francisco was someone I had known very briefly from college at Oberlin, and I just ran into her by chance walking in Golden Gate Park, and she became a really good friend of mine, and she's the one who told me. She was like a tour guide. She was always traveling around. I have a very long, fantastic history with her. In fact, I even, after I was ordained, I married her and her now current husband, her now husband. But she said, oh, Elaine, I've just been to this really cool building. It's Zen Center. It's on Page Street. You should go. So that was, yeah, so I went. I had, you know, I was interested. I had done a little bit, as you say, but I hadn't, I didn't even know about Zen Center, really. And I went there, and then that was it. I was just, found my, that was my place. I, 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 was working later on. I got a couple of kind of really interesting entry level jobs in publishing at Harcourt Brace Advantage and then Miller Freeman Publications. I worked at each place for one year. Those, those were down on Polk Street, actually. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, one of the windows in, at HBJ overlooked Carol Doda sign. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Polk Carol Street, Doda? Carol Doda. They, they don't, they're not near. Did, the stripper. The stripper. Yeah, well, yeah. You said Polk Street? Polk, Polk P-O-L-K. Yeah. It, it overlooked, yeah, where she, this huge, like, neon sign. 
Huh. Oh, yeah, really? Which, yeah, was lit up. Her memory glands were all lit up. Yeah, I remember it. I remember it. <laughs> Tommy Dorsey worked there. Oh, yeah. Wow. He was Didn't the he? Uh, doorman, or not the doorman. He was like the host inside. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I wish I had met him then, but. Yeah, well, uh, so I, I, I worked for a little while longer. Like I said, I went to the Zendo, uh, took public transportation to go to 530 Zazen. And then, um, you know how it is, cause I'm sure, I know it happened to you. You just, I went all in and then I moved into the building and I worked for Zen Center. What'd you and do? And I think you know a little bit about me. Well, my first um, job was I was working on the uh, what is it like the construction crew, not heavy construction, but um, you know repair work on the building. Handy, handy person work. I think on on the building and on other properties that Zen Center. Oh, like 340 Control. next door. Hmm. Yeah, maybe I'm the I'm Tassahara Bakery because I was paired up with Terry Gregg. No That's kidding. That's how I met him. No kidding. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And I sometimes I want to talk to you more about him, but not right now. Oh, I can tell you a lot about him. Good, good. Yeah, so that's how I, that was my first job there, and I did that for maybe a, a, under a year, and then I moved into the building, and then... Um, wow, you mean you had a paying job from Zen Center while you were sitting in 1975. They weren't paying much. No, no, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't <laughs> at all. No. Wow. I, in fact, I might, I, I just don't quite remember if... I was still working outside then or not, but, um, yeah, in, um, 70, I think it was 77, well, 76, I was working, I was at Zen Center, but I was still not living in the building. I think I moved into the building in September of 77. Uh-huh. And then I quickly was working. Then I worked at the bakery for quite a, a couple of years, which was really See now, my 77 bakery. Yeah. The manager who who was running the bakery then? Peter. Peter. Peter Overton. Right. We called him Maha Overton. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that was with Tony um Patchell was the oven man. Yeah. I was the finisher. Hmm. And in fact, Tony was hilarious because someone once came into the back looking for me and he said, they said, can I see Elaine? He said, oh, she's in the back. She's the one covered in chocolate icing with walnuts hanging off of her. Ha <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Tassar and Bakery. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Doug Volkmer was there. Dan Howe. Now lives, he and Doug were mixers. Dan and Eleanor Howe live in Chapel Hill and we're good friends with them. You know? Yeah. 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 So. And, and Pat, of course. 
here. Yeah. Pat. Pat who? Pat Phelan. Yes. <laughs> she, she started as Vince. You remember her? She started. As yeah, Vince. very well. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's and, done a great job with the Chapel Hill Zen Center. Yeah, indeed. Hmm. So, so there you were uh, at Zen Center in '77. Well, uh, yeah. Well, what was? Yeah, tell me more about it. Yeah, hard work, hard work, and sitting, of course. And uh, yeah, and then I moved into the building, and I was very, yeah, I was very, very all in, and I loved it. And I still, I mean, I still feel like it's my home. Yeah, my home temple and and my practice home. And uh, I have been back a few times and been to San Francisco uh, to Tafahara, but it it was you know similar. I'm sure. I started after I worked at Greens. I mean, at Tassahara Bread Bakery. Um, let's see. I went to actually have all this written down because I kept track of myself for some strange reason. So I, I can give you all the details. But I worked at the bakery through August 78. Mm-hmm. Then I went to Tassahara, oh. which was wonderful. Yeah. Went to Tassahara in September 78 through August 79. Hmm. Then they they kind of called me back to work, asked me to work at Greens. I was ordained as a priest in 1980. So, yeah, so when I came, yeah, go ahead. So you were ordained as a priest in 1980. You 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 had you had a lay ordination before that. I had yes. yes. Uh huh. And uh, when did you start working at Greens? Um, September '79. I was there then. So, I, I was you, the host. Yes, yes, you were there. I know. Ah, I know you were. That's great. I thought I remembered you at great. Greens. And and what'd you do there? What'd you do? Um, I was a cook. I was um working with Deborah I, Madison. Um, Jim Yeah, Jim Phelan and I were the, the kind of sous chefs, if you uh-huh. recall. And then uh yeah, we and I I adored learning from Deborah Madison. Oh, that's good. It was it's left in my whole life and that became extremely and of course, I met Richard Jaffe, my husband. We were married in '85 at Greens and at Zen Center. So it was, uh, we worked together. If you work in the kitchen with somebody, I think you, you get to know them pretty well in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah. Well, and you were, wait yeah. a minute. How long yeah. were you at Greens till when? Uh, yeah, I was there from, let's see. I was there for two years. I worked there from September 79 to um, August 81. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So what did you do cooking, then? Yeah, cooking. Wait, before I go on, I went back to, to Tafahara, and I was there for three years after that. I became guest manager, and um, I was the director. I was the director of Zen... Mountain Center when Richard the whole thing with Richard Baker blew up and in fact I 
drove drove him out of uh, oh I was in the car when we drove him out of Tassajara where he was when the board called him to account and he had to come back to the city. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So you yeah, were there. Yeah, yeah. You were there when the uh, when there was that event with Tiknat Han and all those people. That's, I met Tiknat Han. Yeah, he was there when I was there. Yep. Yeah, that that weekend or something, uh, what was it? It was some sort of special event uh, uh, is what triggered the whole thing because he had a weekend affair that was sort of billed as a long-term thing, but it wasn't. It just it was something that happened that weekend. And um, haha, hmm. that... You mean like the shoes outside the door thing? Event? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I remember Tiknat Han visiting the Tafahara, and um, and I was, I think, the guest manager then, and I, or or I could have been the Tenzo. I think I was the Tenzo. I'm not sure, but the I had a lot of kitchen. Yeah, the head cook, right, right. And I remember that Thich Nhat Hanh made a very big impression on a lot of people, and he counseled people to slow down and be mindful. And all of us staff in the kitchen could have could have said no because <laughs> some of the kitchen people slowed down and they were cutting onions like one slice a minute. You can imagine how that was. Oh, I can remember working at Greens, going up to uh-huh. a guy that had come there from the city center, like a new guest student or something, who was sitting there, going up to him <laughs> and saying, oh, look, you might have some idea that Zen is being slow and careful, but you're working at a restaurant now, and you should do everything as fast <laughs> as you can while still being efficient. And then uh, let your mind be slow, but not your action. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, you that's good that you did that. You saved somebody else from having to tell them. Oh, yeah. And you were the host, but you noticed, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I just sort cool. of ran that's the cool. floor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there. Yeah, there were some... Just so many cool people there. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a guy who's a pretty famous writer now, Steve. Uh, oh, I can't remember his name. He wrote a book about neurodifference. Um, oh, I'm forgetting his last name. About anyway. what difference? Um, neurodivergent people. Neurodivergent people. Really? You know, people who have. Yeah. It's, yeah, autism and he was other a student of... or a guest. Yeah, he, he was a he was a student. Um, see, I I can tell you in a second. Um, really cool guy. I oh, you took notes? No, I I think I can. Steve Silberman. Steve Silberman. Oh he yeah, yeah. The server. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, now he's a pretty well-known author and a really good guy. He's oh. married to a man. He's um, very, um, you know, when we knew him in San Francisco, I mean, at Greens, he was just a seeker or just so young and just like the rest of us and trying to ex- explore. And that's what, anyway, so oh. that's, uh, yeah. One other, can I tell you one other funny story about the bakery? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was a finisher, so then he's finishing um, decorating cakes and everything. And there was a, I had one person who was on my team named Mitchell, Mitch. Yeah, Mitch Durrell. Uh, and he, no, it wasn't Mitch Durrell. It was another Mitch with red hair. Huh. Young guy, really young. I can't remember. He's the sweetest guy, but he used to, he'd cut like a layer cake in half. And then, you know, it's the upper half is going to go back on top. And he would spread the icing in the middle, the middle layer, you know, icing for the layer cake. And he would spend like half an hour making it perfectly smooth, the way you would if if you were doing the top of the cake. And I said, Mitch, why are you doing that? You could just, you're going to cover it up. Just slap it on and cover it up. You don't need to smooth it out like that. I thought that was really funny. But I also remember Carol Atherton. You know, we all brought our – she told me – she gave me some good feedback once. She worked in the bakery, too. And she told me I was too really too bossy and, like, annoying. Oh. <laughs> I remember being really, like, feeling really hurt. But she was right. Oh. And that's something that I, I learned uh, at Zen Center. I learned how to say thank you. Like all the time, and I and I yeah. learned to be more. Tried to be less, um, you know, bossy and demanding of people. <laughs> oh, learn to yeah, say thank really. you all the time. That's wonderful. Yeah, it was so, it was so true that we said thank you to each other all the time. Don't you remember? I, uh, you know, gusher. Um, that I, that's that's a really good thing to point out. No, I, I've never thought about it that way. Yeah, that's neat. Mm-hmm. That, that's a yeah. very good thing to say. Uh, I, I won't forget that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's something I brought, you know, through my work life later on. Yeah, uh, trying to be. Really, you know, yeah, basically kind to all the people I worked with, and yeah, but it, it's not a simple thing because you know it's also very competitive um, sometimes uh, the work that I was doing with people inside my own um, organization, and then again with other other presses. But I mean, with, with not other in a, what? Not a bad way. With other what? Publishers. Publishers. Oh, you're, you're, you're publishing. I was still in the bakery. Yeah, in uh, publishing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so then I was, um, I was at then, yeah, then Richard left Greens to go to his first time at Tassahara, and we were together by then. So I also got to go in 81, and I stayed for three years, like I said, and I had lots of positions, Tenzo, guest cook, uh, 
guest manager and Jisha uh, and for Baker Roshi, and then I uh, became the director the year we escorted him out. <laughs> well, if if <laughs> if you drove him out, you went to that board meeting. I did not go to the board meeting. I wasn't on the board, but we drove him. We, what I mean, Wait yeah, a minute. The director him. of Tassahara wasn't on the board? No. Was no. when I was uh-uh. director. I was director in 76. Oh. I was on the board. Uh, oh, interesting. Huh. Either they changed it or they didn't want me to be on the board. I no, know. no, they changed <laughs> it, obviously, because the board automatically yeah. included um, all three directors. Back oh. when I was. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I do, we drove him to Drainsburg, and then that's where I stopped, and then he continued up to San Francisco. In his, um, in his uh, what was that car he had? Uh, mm, I don't know. Wow. It was a BMW, big issue. It was BMW. one of the issues. I know. Uh, yeah, I know. It was a BMW. Yeah, it was a BMW, and uh, it was it was a $35,000 BMW, and uh, he finally came oh, to realize that was I a know. mistake. Yvonne had tried to talk him out of buying it, it and he Who said, he, Yvonne Rand had tried to oh, talk him out of buying it, and he said, well, I'm in the car, you know, about a, you know, a quarter of my time. And uh, it's like the safest car. And she did research mm-hmm. and showed that the $17,000 BMW was just as safe. Oh. And, uh, but he really had his, his eyes on it. And uh, later came to realize um, that uh, that was a mistake. People were really, you know, some people were really offended at it, um, right, and that's right. when that sort of you know that's when the the imperial uh, uh, Abbott ship came to an end over there. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's right, that's yeah, right. yeah. And contrast that with when I was working at Greens, and you know how hard we worked. Yeah. Oh my God! And then went home and did zazen or whatever. But I asked for. I I got a small stipend, and I asked the board. You have to ask the board. Could I buy a pair of sh- work shoes? Mine are all worn out. You asked the board it, of Zen Center yeah, if you I could buy some, some work shoes. Yes, I don't know why I had to do that, but that's what I was told to do. That's insane. I, I had so little money that I didn't want to take the shoe money out of that. And they said, "Oh, we'll consider it." And they turned me down. And I won't say who was in charge at that time. Uh, that I think is, that person feels very badly now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they feel badly? You mean they, they don't have a sense of touch? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> pardon me. Um, no, that's okay. <laughs> um, when, when I became the host, they bought me... Mm-hmm. Uh, See, I never wore anything but sandals, you know, like flip flops. I remember. So I they, remember that. They, I, I said I would buy some dress Birkenstocks. So we got dress Birkenstocks, <laughs> sandals with with they socks. They wanted you to close your toes. Yeah, to close and, your toes. Right? And and 
And the, yeah. the, the you know, Greens bought it. And Greens bought me, uh, bought, you know, bought me <laughs> shirts to wear, uh, nice shirts. So I wouldn't wow. be in a t-shirt or whatever I was always wearing. And, um, mm-hmm. um, that, that's really crazy going to the board to, for a purchase for the, for Greens. But, you know, yeah, that was. That, that that was part of the learning curve of the institution. Uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So listen, um, you you got ordained you got ordained as lay. You were in Zen Center. Um, um, can you tell me anything about teaching? Like you arrived at this place. I mean, you, when you mentioned uh, Rochester, you mentioned Philip Kaplow. You know, but you came to Zen Center. What was there in terms of uh, of Zen and teaching? Who 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 did I look to for teach there? Yeah, being my teacher, you mean? Yeah. Um. Well, I can tell you exactly. Um. Ed Brown was a senior. You know, Richard Baker didn't let anybody become a full fledged teacher for as long as I was there, but um. The senior students were Lou Richmond, Ed Brown, and Reb Anderson. And uh-huh. I worked with, um, I mean, I had my very first Zazen instruction with Ed Brown, and it was great, actually. And I then, um, yeah, and I, I guess I, Reb uh, was one of my teachers, but I mainly, I mean, Mr. Baker was my main teacher, yeah. So I worked. He well, was how, my teacher. How was that? It was it was good. It was good. I mean, it was fine. It was fine. He was really really smart. He, um, I think, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from him. With him, I should say. I. Um, I never looked to him for him to be my father, and I didn't want him to be my boyfriend. I had those things. Um, I didn't, you know, so I was not as vulnerable, perhaps, as some people were. I definitely could see how he could have taken advantage of people. I take out some names here. Um, They're on Cuke.com and elsewhere, but I thought, meh, why repeat them? What people, he didn't, he didn't, I, I, I didn't see him doing that. He had one girlfriend that I know of, uh, uh well, that no, went on for six affairs, years. But he had affairs with other people too, who? other who? students. Who? Well, you know some of them. Yvonne. Well, Lucy. no, wait a minute. He and Yvonne were together when they were students. Okay. So that was okay. Okay. Um, well, that's the one. Oh, that's the one. Um, oh, but then, um, okay. Or what about? Wasn't a student. She was part of his ivory tower, and and that was a weekend okay. affair. Okay. Now I don't know uh, anything, oh. but and and he and were an item for years. She and he, she and he have been in touch recently. Um, uh, she yeah. she wrote a thing that's on Cute dot com. Saying she wishes oh. people would stop, you know, 
I don't know exactly how she said it, calling her some victim or something. Like pitying her? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay. she really didn't like okay. it where people wanted her to be mad and condemn him and all that. It was oh, just something that yeah, happened. Yeah. And it wasn't, oh. it wasn't a secret within his family. Uh, okay. And it was uncool, okay. but uh, look, if mm. you go on com and look at shoes mm. outside the door, I have statements from uh, mm-hmm. very strong feminist Zen Center women saying that he was never anything but appropriate with them. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. shoes yeah. outside the door gave an impression, and I talked to Michael Downing about this, that he was having sex mm-hmm. with a lot of students. He wasn't. And the New York Times Review oh. of Books came out with a mm-hmm. review that said women were coming to Zen Center and being assigned to be his concubine. And I wrote them a letter what? and saying, you know, the that's not Times true. And they didn't publish it. And, you know, I established Wait, that I knew Times? things about uh, yeah. Zen yeah. Center yeah. and written a biography of mm-hmm. Suzuki. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you say the New York Times or the New York Review of Books? I New- didn't catch that. New York. Re- well, I might have said I get names wrong all the time. Uh, uh, I, I, I think with New York Review of Books. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, that was, you know, he got, he got out of hand and everything. It, 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 things get out of balance. <laughs> I could, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, there were, there was a lot of out, of out of balance stuff. And I could see how he could be inappropriate. I, I could see something that happened once, but, for them, uh, but I mean, in general. But for myself, um, it was a it was a good learning. Uh, really, yeah, it really worked. But when he when the whole thing blew up, also you know, it wasn't like wasn't like I had thought he was so incredible. I I knew he was human. It wasn't like oh my god. Yeah, it wasn't all about um, so it wasn't all about uh, that I mean, that weekend affair. It, it was about it was about power a lot of it. And just he had all the cards. Right. You know, and I think the right. organization right. that he had yeah. he had uh, really been responsible for building had become yeah, and he, it, he made a strong right. organization that at some point yeah. Uh, said, uh, this needs to have a different type of balance. And he couldn't accept that. And so he, he left. Right. Uh, he was not told to leave. Mm-hmm. He was a little, yeah. And he was a little selfish if he had it, like, greedy. Ha-ha! <laughs> uh-huh. And maybe a little deluded. ha <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, 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 he he um, he, he, he said he said recently that he had um, he screwed all that up, but uh, he's been going strong. He's got a great group huh. now in in Germany uh, and you know the place in Colorado, and he's still teaching. And that uh-huh. German group is great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, how so? Well, how how is it? Have you been there? Oh yeah, I've spent time there. It's wonderful. It's it's the place I'm most comfortable in terms of Zen. Oh, 
uh, a being. Oh. oh, wow. Well, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I like the groups like you have with Pat that are non-residential. I think that's uh, uh, mm-hmm. that's a much safer and uh, it's more workable uh, uh, way to do it. So anyway, well, I'm, that's that's interesting. Uh, and yeah. you had a relationship with yeah. Ed. He's he's still teaching. Uh, and so is well, Rev. Yeah, the and, first. And Lou's I, I retired, but but he. Yeah, and. Oh. I was just saying, Lou's going yeah. strong. Anyway, go on. Um. Yeah, and then I, you know, also I would consider um, Leslie. Um, I've got to be very close with her, and uh, uh, Linda Ruth was also very, very uh, good to learn with Linda mm. Ruth, and and I was good friends with Nancy Schrader. Who, you know, I had a lot of um, like. What would you say? Um, you know, contemporaries. We were kind of in the practice together, had the same. Uh, we were sort of senpai, you know, ah, senpai, same, yeah. same level collaborators. Yeah. Um, and and uh, yeah, it was it was really really great. But I was going to say my very first. I remember my very first zazen instruction with Ed, and you oh. know and. I think Hiroshi should have been more open-handed. That was that was the problem. He was very he did, he was he was too. I think he didn't let people grow the way they should, and he didn't want. It was about power. He didn't want to do transmission, whereas in Japan, that's just another stay. You know, step. It's yeah. not like a big deal. Yeah. Like the way that he made it so. Landishly, like mystical or something, and that—that's not right. That—that that, I think perverted, perverted things a little bit. Maybe uh-huh. perverted te- the teaching, the understanding. Yeah, I think that was a problem. Uh-huh. But anyway, uh-huh. uh, yeah. So that would be one big problem. And he didn't, you know, he didn't do. He didn't come on time for, for things. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. But he was. But I, you know, I had great interactions with him. Uh, to talking about the Dharma, understanding the Dharma together, and I—that is fundamental to me and and my development as a Zen student, and always will be. And I hope you know, and I continue with it, even though I haven't been doing formal Zen practice. Uh, I I will at some point again, especially now that I have more time, and so on. But with Ed, <laughs> I went in and I said. Oh, and the other thing that brought me to Zen Center was, you know, I think all of us had some kind of pain in our lives. Something was wrong. There was a problem. You know, so we we were, I think, responding to the, the way Buddhists talk about pain and suffering, you know, mm-hmm. all of us. And uh, that was another reason that it felt really good. But I... Um, this that's not related. I talked to sat down with Ed and I said, I can't stop my mind from thinking. And his response was, So (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, yes, that was great. That was yeah. great. Yeah. So uh, Ed tells a story. I think it said um, where he said someone said that to Suzuki Roshi, and and um, and it could have been him. I can't remember now. Um, huh. And Suzuki said, "What? It, is there something wrong with thinking?" <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Did you know that that uh, Ed is is uh, not now allowed to speak at Zen Center? Oh, I yes. I, is that still going on? Well, it is I now. It'll you. it'll change. You know, he he it's he's a long he's time. Uh, sort of you know he, he's. You know, several times he said things that upset people, uh, and it, it was uh, it would be a good case of uh, of being. You know, institutions have become so uh, um, uh, woke, conscious that they don't want to offend anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah you know. I know. He told us. He told Richard and me. I think he was passing through this area and uh and told us all about it he'd given a lecture and uh, you know referred to gender fluidity somewhat flippantly and i think isn't that what happened so some people got upset about that yeah one person something like that. and wrote a letter oh okay yeah and oh. uh um well he, he's yeah, he just said that the the restrooms were. Well, he didn't understand. You can talk to, uh, you know, you can talk to the people running the thing or something in back about that. Uh, yeah, he said a few things in that lecture, but they were rather harmless. Um, and uh, I I just thought I just think, wow, if you want you want a church where everybody can feel safe. Uh, but a mm. church that doesn't rock your boat, boy, that's not my idea of it. Uh, mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. um, no, I think all the people no. are good and they're all sincere and they've got, you know, Zinsen has to worry about being sued and, uh, you know, you're really? running an organization, you want everything to be smooth. Um, uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. he, but he's doing good. Zen Center's doing good, and and that'll all be something in the past. And well, you know, I, I think yeah, but it's also it's important to look at it because you know how it is. Because the majority tends to see things from their own perspective, whereas the person who's in the minority is constantly being pushed around by that perspective and, and right you know. right and i i see it as a matter of balance again uh mm-hmm. you you you, you want to shift things uh so that um the people who feel uh, you know who felt uncomfortable or disenfranchised mm-hmm. or uh there were uh 
social taboos or whatever against them as that opens up they 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 want things to be right um yeah and uh, yeah it, it, it's a, an adjustment you know it's like society adjusting um yeah and uh, yeah. you know so people get get banged up on one end and the other end um right Right. Yeah. Right. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think Zen Center overall has been, uh, through the years, has been extremely uh, accepting of people and their um, uh, differences. Uh, I, I know mm-hmm. gay people who uh, early on mm-hmm. liked going to Zen yeah. Center because they felt it didn't matter then. Nobody was, nobody cared, you know. I, it, I agree. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah. I do know gay people that didn't come out when they were in Zen Center in, in the 70s because mm. they still felt uh, uh, that it, it would make people uncomfortable. That, you know, what oh. they, they didn't feel comfortable about that, but other people did. Mm-hmm. Good Lord, Esau yes. was... Um, right. Um, Certainly, uh, he, he was unconcerned <laughs> about the <laughs> things like yeah, that. Yeah, he was. He was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And of course, being in San Francisco is much more forward that way. With oh yeah, who came to Zen Center, and it was so you know it was much more accepted. But I, it's interesting. There are some people who at Zen Center who did not want to come out. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was talking to one reason. Or maybe they, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. But, you know. True. Um, hmm. So, um, you, you, um, you know, you were talking about pain and suffering this and that. Your, your trajectory at Zen Center, I see the, the way I see it now, the image I have is you were, you were pretty together when you arrived and you were a, a very sincere student who, didn't have a lot of uh, conflicting stuff going on in your mind. Mm-hmm. You were pretty focused, mm-hmm. and you were very capable. And you got uh, lay ordained and then priest ordained rather quickly, and got jobs of responsibility rather quickly. And um, yeah, and uh, you got along with people. Everybody liked you. Uh, and oh, you know, maybe you were too bossy at one time or another. I can't remember that, but. <laughs> <laughs> when you told me that, when you said that, you were told that, and I thought, oh, good. Uh, because <laughs> some people would get, uh, you know, so passive there. You you want, uh, you want people to rouse themselves. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. I know, yeah, no, we, I don't think I ever had that problem. Yeah. Um, but I think what I was referring to was my mom had um severe depression mm. and i know it affected my dad's life uh in a very you know it was hard mm. so i feel like that sadness um was was what i was carrying with me yeah know? yeah that's a tough that's one that's what it was right yeah right yeah right. but they were at the same time they were i can easily say they were wonderful parents you know they were fantastic people they were survivors my mom um 
And um, in fact, she moved from New Jersey to North to North Carolina after my dad died to be near us. So I I was um, able to spend tons of time with her through good and bad times. Um, but I was her, you know, her person through the end. And she died at 94. So it was a, a long life and hmm. had its ups and downs, but she was really an incredible person. So, hmm. Hmm. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so uh, at what point did you, you, know, you left Sin Center in 85? Yes, that's right. And, mm-hmm. and uh, was that a, um, a, uh, the, the, why, 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 why did that happen? 85. That's when I went, uh, that's when, uh, I stopped living with Liz and Bolinas. Uh, I'd always been half time oh. at Zen Center, but went mm-hmm. to Green Gulch, mm-hmm. uh, for yeah. a couple of years. Uh, and so mm-hmm. what, where uh, did you go then? Where Where did you go? I was then, at Green Gulch. Oh, you I, moved from Bolinas to Green Gulch? Yeah, well, I always had a place in Mirror Beach. I had a place at Avon's, uh, oh, a little okay. cabin. Oh, okay. Uh, but oh, okay. okay. I started living at, at Green Gulch, and I was there two years. Uh Mm-hmm. And I enjoy them. Mm-hmm. They were two years. They were and and Green Gulch was so good to me. Uh, uh but wow, um, wow. You, you uh I didn't realize that. Yeah, not everybody says that. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Uh yeah. so so what happened uh what happened? You you got married to Richard in eighty five, right? That's right. We who, got married. Who, who performed in the marriage ceremony? April. Reb. We asked Reb to do it. He was, after um, Richard Baker departed, um, I guess the person I worked with most was, was Reb. Mm-hmm. And um, so he did our marriage, and Richard too, you know. Uh, T.S. Roser was the Jisha for the ceremony. Were you at our wedding? Do you oh, remember? Oh, I can't remember. Uh uh, uh, and and uh, with you and Richard Jaffe, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah. uh, where was it? It was in the 300 Page Street, and, and it and, was a wonderful, wonderful ceremony. I have beautiful pictures. I have the list, the work list of everybody who pitched in to handle it, and we had a big brunch after the ceremony on a. Uh, in the dining room in the courtyard, it was sort of a Jewish sort of bagels and cream cheese and uh-huh. coffee cake and yeah, halva. Oh wow! And a big bur- wedding. Yeah, yeah. I I could. I have a lot of pictures that we what day had was taken. It? Oh. it was April twenty eighth. April twenty eighth, nineteen eighty five. And uh-huh. then uh, Richard decided. Well, after Baker Roshi left, you know, I was a little bit at loose ends, I guess, in a way. And um, Richard wanted to go to graduate school to make money doing what he loved, which was studying Buddhism. He wanted to, you know, he had a, he always was very um, uh, apt. He had a real aptitude for scholarly work and languages and so on and so forth. So. In a way, he was looking at Zen Buddhism, um, 
you know, having experienced it in the United States, like kind of, well, we're, what were the roots of it? That's, that's one thing he was doing. So his first book was about marriage, which was, uh, as you know. So. What? What? What did you say in, again? Oh, it was about marriage in, in Zen Buddhism. And, oh, and I think you. Oh, you probably not know your marriage. You mean yeah. his studies. Uh, he, yeah, yeah he did that studies. book. He right. did a book on, uh. Neither monk nor layman. Neither yeah. Monk nor layman. Right. But the whole point is that, that our experience of American Zen, influ- you know, kind of helped him think about what he wanted to write about or study for his, for his book. So that's, like, there's, there's connections. And that's, yeah, I think, Practicing practicing a tradition is is helped us both in our subsequent um, professional lives hmm. and influenced us. Let's put it that way. Like he with his studies and me with uh, starting a religion list at my publisher. So in August we moved. Um, let's see. Uh, in 1985, we got married in April. We moved back east in uh, August, and I fairly quickly got a job at Yale University Press, which I um, absolutely loved. Mm. And I can tell you more about that sometime. But it's, I remember interviewing. Oh, I interviewed with the director of UNC Press, John Ryden, and I had a letter that Bruce Fortin had written for me to use. Oh. Because I was translating 10 years at Zen Center on my resume to make it relevant to applying for jobs. And it went well. It went well. And and huh. my boss was really interested in food. So the fact that I worked in a restaurant, he found very interesting. Of course, I had two years of entry-level jobs in publishing, and Bruce Fortin wrote this beautiful letter for me that was really more about character. Uh, and mm. it was like, to whom it may concern, I gave it to him, uh, to the director of the press. And he was very impressed by it. I was not the first person they offered the job to. I know I was the second person. The per- first person not accept the job, so then they asked me. And I was, I just was so happy because I really loved the um the building that Yale University Press is in and I loved I just anyway so I sort of go, I just totally got absorbed into that the way I got absorbed into Zen Center but at least I had more uh I had the experience of being a Zen Center um which has always been um yeah I think for for you and for most of us has been a core thing, and I feel like I've continued, you know, I've continued to practice, not in the formal priest way, but I've continued to practice uh, ever since, for sure. Mm-hmm. 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 So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, now, and, and, and so you, in, in August of 85, you, you went to New Haven, right? And, and when Correct. did you go to Japan? 
We went to Japan um, four years later in August 89. So I was started at UNC Press. I mean, sorry, Yale University Press, November 85. And then in summer 89, we moved to Japan because Richard got a Fulbright and he um, was going to, he went to do research on his dissertation topic. Yeah. And, you know, that means you do original research and original sources and all of that. So, so we stayed in Japan for three years. Yeah. Mm. He mm. usually used to stay for two years on the Fulbright, but he got an extra funding to do one year of Japanese language study at the beginning. So we stayed through June 92. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really respect, um, how thoroughly uh, he did everything and, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's really great. What did you do in Japan? How did you find it? Um, I was doing more editing for you know, uh, Tokyo University Press. I was Is working, right? doing English English language manuscripts. Yep. I remember I did an anthropology book on chimpanzees. <laughs> so these were editing jobs, copy editing. And were they um, books written crazy. in English by Japanese? Ah, great question. Um, for the most part, some were, but for the most part, they were English language speakers, uh, scholars who lived yeah. in Japan did yeah, you, for the most I, part. I, I I had some involvement with English written by Japanese uh, for because there's an enormous amount of uh, academic, scientific, medical publishing in I Japan know. done in English. I, yes, yes, I have a story about that. But we're, what were you doing? Copy editing? Well, it would just be private stuff. People, I was I was at the oh. I, I, I was in Tokyo at the, uh, I think my first experience at the, uh, Imperial Hotel, you know, like the most expensive place there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I just wanted to see it. And I'd read that a cup of coffee was $10 there. And that's the type of reporting I noticed is, uh, the reporter would take the most extreme thing and make Absolutely. it look like that's what Japan was like. Japan, I a cup know. of coffee is $10. Oh, the reporting on Japan is yeah. so stupid. Yeah, and uh, so I went there, and uh, I had a cup of coffee, and I or something like that, and I hung out. <laughs> For $10. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I just went on and did it or something. Anyway, because I know I was there. Well, maybe I was there, and somebody else bought it for me because a guy came up to me and said, uh, his uh, client or something has is, is got a paper in English that needs to be gone over, and he gave me 10,000 oh. yen to, to spend an oh hour. Oh, my God. You know, so that I got bubble. I got like $80 to spend an hour with somebody on something wow. like that. And, right. <laughs> and this is the height of their yep. economy. And then I went out and I asked the doorman, I said, you know, the – I, I knew a little Japanese when I arrived. I could speak to people, you know, when I arrived in Japan. Wow. This is early on when I was there. I asked the doorman, mm -hmm. uh, where can you get a cheap cup of coffee? I said, it's really expensive here. 
He said, yeah, just go down the street to where the train station is. That's the cheapest. And so I went around looking for cheaper cups of coffee. I found very cheap cups of coffee around there. It was just a little personal research. But uh, then I helped uh, a doctor with his, um, I don't know, his some big paper he was doing and uh-huh, stuff like that. And, uh-huh. and I, I would, I've worked on stuff for friends that was just, I had no idea what they were saying. I just couldn't understand. I didn't know where to start. David, you're the only other person I know who I share that with. I, for a while, I was <laughs> the guy I, we knew from New Haven who his business was getting a stable of editor, copy editors to edit that kind of scientific paper. And I would be given them and I, all you could do is look at the, um, sort of look at the grammatical level of the sentence. I had no idea what it was talking about, but I knew it had to have like a subject and a verb, you know, so I could edit it. They yeah. were happy with what I did, but I didn't, <laughs> I had no idea what they were. Yeah, it was all scientific. I know. So right. I did that too. And you right. got paid a lot too, right? Yeah, insane. Insane. That was great. I know. I know. Uh, and I was working at a think tank, this public private think tank that I got job. It was the height of the bubble. And I would be doing, they wanted me to sit there like two afternoons a week and just be there in case that they needed me to like edit a letter in English. Half the time I I was doing editing on other jobs. So they were paying me an enormous amount of money to be there. Yeah. I was working on other jobs at the yeah. same time. Yeah. So it was, yeah. I knew people that yeah, did and, that. I had a friend. In yeah. fact, I just saw him recently here. Our, our best friends from Kyoto. We're, we're, they come oh. here for a month every year and, and ship a container load of stuff back to oh, Seattle nice. to sell. And uh, they're half time well, in Kyoto. And, and, and they were doing that too. And, and Jake was yeah. teaching one day a week to support himself. And wow. uh, Jay had a job with a company in Osaka where he'd go over there and, and uh, he was sort of on call and uh, he'd just read. Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. he'd read detective yeah. novels and things and every once in a while they'd want something. <laughs> and when I first well. arrived, uh, the, the guy that owned, um, video droid in, uh, in Mill Valley had sent me to look up Jay because he'd hired Jay to help him, uh, deal with a Japanese company. And I, huh. I, I was hitchhiking at that point. I didn't have any money to speak of very little. Uh, and, wow. uh, Jay gave me a job for an afternoon in Osaka. I remember I was, I was copy editing an advertisement for Kubota tractors. And I got like, <laughs> I got like, uh, uh, oh, may, maybe, uh, 300, $400 for, oh my God, for, uh, wait a minute. You said Kubota what? What's Kubota that? tractors. What was it? Oh, tractors. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't do much of that. We started our own school, well, really. You do, how long did you stay there? Four years. Japan. Wow. And yeah. what What was your main thing? Just you just Were you at a temple as well? Yeah, yeah. We lived next door to Sogenji in, in Okayama. And oh. uh, I sat there and, and uh, 
would do Sanzun mm-hmm. with uh, 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 Shoto Harada, uh, Roshi, and uh, uh, and incidentally, uh, the Rinzai. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you look at what happened there, what happened at Bukokaji and Obama and Hoshinji and Obama. Bukokaji Harada Tangan never gave anybody transmission. And uh, Shota mm-hmm. Harada, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if he's ever he's given some people permission to teach, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But the Rinzai ones like that, uh, the the uh, the level of of becoming a Dharma teacher was higher than just but uh, getting a temple. Uh, I never okay. quite understood. Richard would know more about it than me. Because, why uh, do you think? Why do you think Richard? <sighs> now, when we it's say Richard, I said Richard. I should Baker, say your husband, Baker. Richard Jaffe, I, uh, oh, okay. knows more about it than me. Oh, well, it makes me think about you know Richard Baker didn't give anybody transmission. Well, he until gave very, transmission. Very, yeah, at the very end. Yeah, I mean, and right. he was going to give Lou but, transmission. But uh, okay. yeah, well. It, 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 but why do you, wait? I have a question for you. Why do you think? I mean, I can imagine very hurt feelings, blah blah blah. But why do you think he wouldn't stay at Zen Center? I mean, I think there was a path for him that he could have taken and stayed. Yeah, there do, was, do you? And, and I would come talk to him about it. Uh, and I remember he said, God, why weren't you on the board? And I said, you didn't want me on the board. I just caused trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I was, when I was on the board, I'd go, I'd go, here, I'd pretend I had a rubber stamp. I'd go, right on, BR. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I yeah. liked his leadership yeah. in many ways. It was so, I found Zen Center to be a lot of fun. Even his, mm-hmm. a lot of his detractors. Uh, you know, so they had a, a great time. Well, he time made there. it feel like we, we, you know, it was a movement and that we were doing something really important for the, for our culture. And I think, I think he was right. But yeah. why do you think he didn't want to um, stay? Oh, because he had a, <laughs> he had a certain way he wanted to do things. He has, you know, he's a micromanager and he has vision and, and it, uh, this, he was losing control. Uh, the, um, the, you know, this happens a lot in institutions. There, there's a thing, uh, uh, a guy who was with Fairlawn, Sim Vanderen's Fairlawn's Institute, mm-hmm. uh, finally got rid of Sim, who was the founder as the, yeah. as the head honcho of it. David Katz said Sim got founder's disease. Uh, <laughs> And, but it, it's that there's a, tra- that the founders often are very, um, dynamic, uh, maybe charismatic, uh, people who have some vision or some idea of, of what the institution should do. And then the institution, mm-hmm. uh, becomes successful and has strong people in it and it moves mm-hmm. into another form. It evolves and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the, um, the, the founder 
can't stay in it if if they want to run it. Listen, I am I am not running Cuke Archives <laughs> anymore. <laughs> um, and uh, although you're we, not running, wait, yeah, I'm not running my own wait, wait, website in my own thing anymore. Oh, oh, really? It's really uh, Peter Ford is, but it 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 doesn't. It's not something that's going to go into the infinite future. I don't know. But Peter Ford's the managing director of Cuke Archives, and we have constant contact. I'm on special projects. I'm trying to uh, finish a book called oh. Tassara Stories, and uh, oh, I was editing okay. Suzuki's uh, audio, which I've put on hold. I've right. put almost everything on hold now for that. Oh, my uh, gosh. Book. Okay. So his name is Peter Ford? Yeah. F-O-R-D. He would never in Zen Center. He was on the East okay, Coast. Yeah. Uh, but okay, just he's, wondered. He, he might, but you're still he's involved really good. Huh? Oh, yeah? Oh, you're yeah. still very involved, though. Yeah, yeah, every day, multiple times. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I couldn't, I haven't, I haven't done anything on Tassara Stories in three days just trying to catch up with all the stuff. I've, I've been behind Oh, on. wow. Uh, okay, so your next book though is Tassahara Stories. Well, I don't know if it'll and, actually and be a book. I don't, oh, you know, publishing is oh. not what it used to be. Uh, it, it, so you don't have a contract? No. For it at the moment. No. Uh, okay, just I wonder. Uh, the shop ball is interested in it. Sam Burkholz put an editor over, mm-hmm. but I've never showed him anything, and that was years ago. Uh, and, mm-hmm. but, We've yeah. done other things since then and put, put that, uh, book of mm-hmm. vignettes out, uh, uh, is right now. Are these the vignettes of, that you've gathered from talking to people or are yeah. they all your own? No. Okay. okay. No, is right oh, here okay. and Zen is right now are two books of vignettes about Shinyu Suzuki, uh, that are my and other people's memories of key moments, uh, uh, you know, at Tassara in the city center and in, in lectures in Doksan. Right. With, uh, with Suzuki Roshi. With Suzuki Roshi. Okay. Yeah, entirely with Suzuki okay. Roshi. Uh, yeah. Zen is right here is, uh, you know, uh, Zen is right here. Uh, teaching stories and anecdotes of Shunyu Suzuki. And Zen is right now mm-hmm. is more teaching stories and anecdotes. And Zen is right now came out in 2019. And I did an audio book for Crooked Cucumber, uh, and for Thank You and Okay. Oh. Because I had oh, the, wonderful. I had the audio visual rights and Shambhala did both of them. And, uh. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. So. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I just think of work I want to get done. I don't think about the market, really. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, so you so, did, you did copy editing in Japan. <laughs> uh, I did. And then we had a, I had a baby, as I told you. I wrote an article about having a baby in Japan for the English language newspaper there. I'm going to see uh, it. I could send to you. Oh, definitely. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, I, the, Baby was born at Aiku Bioin, Aiku Hospital. Uh, that's where we went. And let me see what else. I mean, yes. And so it was great having a, a baby there. You know, 
I, I really influenced our her first two years and being surrounded by Japanese people, Japanese families and Japanese ways. And we were very close with a, another family that had four kids. Richard's one of his main research connections and they became, they've become very good friends over the years. Now they have kids. So that, that was a real in for us into a family. They were, it was a temple family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, it was just, Wonderful. I can't possibly go and, you know, tell you so much about it, but I'll just tell you one little story. I, I knew enough Japanese to get in trouble, which is what Richard always said and has a lot of funny stories about that. Ask me sometime about the stamp we had made, a return address stamp. Oh, no, come on. <laughs> uh, tell me now. Ah, oh, my God. Well, um, oh, we had so many. So many stories. It was funny. But this was, um, I went into a little neighborhood. You know, it's like we lived in Sakura Shinmachi, which is just four stops out of Shinjuku. And it's like a little village. It had, it was distinguished by all the Sakura trees along the main shopping area. It was beautiful in the, you know, in the spring. Cherry trees. And we loved that neighborhood. And yeah, cherry trees. And we, we, um, so I went to a little tiny shop where they made stamps. They had stamps in the window. I went in, I wanted to have a return address stamp made. And our address had like eight lines, you know, eight lines in it. But I said to them, please make sure, they didn't know English. So I said, please make sure to break it into lines, you know, short lines so that it would be like a you know an american style address not all run together because i saw them do they had in the window english stamps as well as japanese the english ones were done all wrong because it all ran together you know yeah it didn't have you know elm street next line it was like elm street you know sakura shinmachi yeah i said please i kept saying in my best attempt is Japanese because they didn't speak English, which was great. I, I I was able to get along pretty well by the end, uh, enough to get in trouble. And <laughs> I said, please make sure to break it up. So when Richard went into, he was on his way home and he went in, they said, it's ready. He went in to pick it up and he opened the bag and they had made like eight different stamps. Each one had a short line on it. Oh, that he is. He said there funny. must be a mistake. This is eight stamps, not one stamp. And they said that's what your wife wanted. She was very particular about it. <laughs> so he convinced he made, he convinced them to glue it all back onto one stamp, which always looked a little higgledy piggledy, but you know. So that's a funny story. Oh, and I my want daughter, more. she was raised more. in Japan. Yeah, she was raised in Japan for two years, and she bowed, and she Who? had two, Wait a minute. actually, my Who? daughter, Zena. Oh, yeah. Zena. And she had two babysitters, because I would go into, I was working at Kodansha a little bit, like two afternoons a week. Mm-hmm. And that was great, because there was the best cocky fry restaurant around the corner, and a whole bunch of us Americans used to go 
when it was in season, we'd get these, you know, fried oyster lunches. Oh, my God. So anyway, you know how it is. You have all of these memories. I mean, the whole food thing is a whole different thing to talk about. But Zena, my daughter, we would she was raised in Japan, right? So we walked along the street, the shopping street, and there was this really quirky little like stone basin with water in it, like running water. And there was a koi, you know, the fish, the goldfish in this. It was just on the street corner. And so she would look at it. She was like one and a half. And she'd say, uh, she'd point to it and say, cook it, eat it. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Cook it, eat it. Because that's what you did with fish, right? Uh, it wasn't like, oh, what a cute little fish. Oh, she said, cook it, eat it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Wow. I know. Oh. Mm. So we lived in Japan. We came back when she was two. Um, I was, went right back to Yale University Press because my boss was my mentor and he was great. And uh, he got, I wanted to be in acquisitions where you actually work with authors and acquire the book. It's not copy editing. It's, I mean, you can edit for them, but it's more like developmental editing, you know. Right, right. And acquiring books, and then I, yeah, and then I moved to um, North Carolina two years later, and quickly got the job at UNC Press. And first, I was doing contracts work, which I had done at Yale, but I told them I really wanted to move into acquisitions as soon as possible, and and um, and they were good to their word, and then. 25 years later, I mean, I've signed, I published so many books and I, yeah, so I, I loved it. I love the work. Uh, and that's um, a big, a whole big thing there. Wow. Which I, yeah. And, and now I'm retired. What? Go ahead. No, go on. Well, a, like I said, about a year ago and I'm, I wanted to retire from that job and that means I get a pension and Social Security. Um, so I'm lucky I can retire. I don't, you know, I don't take that for granted. My parent, my father could never retire. Right. get too sick to work anymore. And um, I, but I wanted to retire while I still had a lot of energy to pursue many other interests, some which go... You know, you take your former life and it's with you. And now I have, I started doing yoga at San uh, San Francisco Iyengar Center back in 76. And now I'm very seriously doing it, hoping, and I've always done it ever since, but not, not very intensively, but I'd like to take, try to get certification as a Iyengar teacher, first level, you know. And maybe teach, my ideal would be to, I'm not going to start a big school or anything, but I'd like to be able to teach hmm. small groups of people, particularly like senior uh, seniors. And I'd also, if possible, would work in a prison if I could. Doing oh, that's right. Beginning yoga. That's yeah, great. there are some programs that do that. I want, I'd love to go back to Zen Center and do a, um, you know, a practice period, which I know, Linda Ruth and and, um, and Leslie James, I think, would help me do. I, in fact, right bef- this, before we left, I was asked to be Shusso at Tassahara. And 
like the practice period before we left and I was going to do it but Bob Lytle asked if he could do it and he was senior to me for some reason he wasn't able to do it until that time so I I said yes let let Bob do it first and then I moved back east so I never got to do it um but you know at 70 which I am it's it's not like you can pop right back in doing sashin maybe and all the sitting I mean I don't know what that would be like but uh I hope to find out one of these days yeah and I'm yeah. doing a lot of politics that's the other thing a lot of political work oh yeah know, North but Carolina d- is so screwy yeah oh yeah very interesting state for uh politics uh exactly yeah yeah um what what's your um what do you think about uh climate change I love it no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think um I think we're boiling ourselves, aren't we? Like a, you know, a frog in boiling water. And I feel like the, I feel like it's, that's why I want to do some politics because that's the only level where things really change. And, and of course, a lot, there's a lot of wonderful groups that influence, um, politicians, you know, but to get something to happen, you have to have the right politicians in place, right? Yeah. Like if Al Gore had become president, maybe things would have been a little bit better. I don't know. So so that's why I'm, I'm working at the, mac, the kind of macro political level. I think yeah. that's where the most change can happen. And yeah. that's not fast. Oh my God. That's, yeah. So yeah. What, why, what do you think about it? Well, first, that? I'd like to say that the frog in boil in water uh, story is not true. Uh, oh, really? No, it's just something that's repeated over and over. Uh, oh, that that a frog, me. if you put it in boiling water, of course, it just oh. jump right out. <laughs> but if you put it in water and that's then true. heat it slowly to boil, they just sit in it. I, I don't think that's true. Um, oh. Uh, uh, but. Okay. It's a good uh, analogy. It is true with us, though, that we're not doing mm-hmm. anything pretty much. Uh, and yeah. and everything that's being proposed is uh, not enough, I think. Uh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Absolutely. And I feel sad if younger people don't want to have kids because of that. You know what I mean? There's some kids... Some people who say, "Why should I have a kid and bring it into this world?" and I f- I feel like that's so sad. <laughs> well, I've been a uh, I've felt that that the human race was destroying itself since uh, high school, uh, and uh, okay. when Kelly uh, uh, was old enough to. You know, talk, and he was very conversational <laughs> starting at about four, uh, or three yeah. or four. Yeah. Um, I told him, mm-hmm. you know, I, when he was, um, let's see, he was born in 73. So when he was about eight, I was working on, uh, world suicide and he was helping me put out, uh, leaflets oh. to sell the record and stuff like that. And I told him, he was brought into this world to be a warrior, to um, help mm. 
help pre- mm-hmm. prevent world suicide. Uh, that, uh, but that mm-hmm. he'd been brought into a world that was, uh, uh, it looked like it was trying to, uh, just, well, the human race was trying to destroy itself, but possibly in ways yeah. that would, uh, yeah. take a great deal with it. Uh, yes, yes. So that was, gave him a sense of, purpose i guess or meaning <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. he's he's um uh, i I'd, I'd say he is a a great warrior he's doing a good job <laughs> that's great um, that's wonderful yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, but um, so it's true the young people yeah. Yeah. i'm i'm less concerned yeah. about whether they want to have kids or not about that mm-hmm. you know uh, Noam Chomsky says that mass movements, you know, popular uprising of the masses is what has made great mm-hmm. changes. And mm-hmm. um, uh, I think that's what we have to have. But, uh, you know, I'm waiting for it. <sighs> Trying to mm. nudge it, but well, I can't do much. Well, are you lucky? Yeah. I mean, the, the yeah. The day-to-day with the politics is crazy. But, for example, we just, so I work with the Democratic Party, sort of the progressive wing, but it's the only game in town, the two-party system, really. That's right. So I work, (laughs) yeah, and I work, I always voted Democratic and registered, but I didn't, I never, like, identified, oh, I'm a proud Democrat, you know, not that I was ashamed (laughs) of it, but. But now it's like, okay, I'm through, I'm working with the our local precinct, very grassroots, and we managed to throw, I mean, overall, the elections in the nation weren't too bad, I guess, compared to what they could have been, but North Carolina was horrible. So we just managed to throw out the entire leadership of the North Carolina Democratic Party, and we now, and we got a whole new slate of really good people who I know some of them and now we have the the head of the Democratic Party here is a 25 year old woman she's the youngest head of a state party in the country and she's in the progressive wing and so I mean that kind of thing is like okay it's slow to change but maybe this will do something anyway blah 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 it's good luck to you. On. Good luck to you. Uh, Thank you. I yeah. know. Thank you. I'm I'm, I'm rooting for you. I'm... Thank you, dear. I'll let yeah. you know what happens. Yeah. I want to um, do my own creative work, um, my own writing and artwork. Um, so those are those are some of the. Oh, and see my daughter more. I hope. Hmm. She, you know, go out to California more. Trucky. Do you go, get back? Yeah. To California at all? No? I, I've i never been back uh, since I came really? here in 2013. Oh, my gosh. So, um, my do wife you have goes family back. in Texas? Huh? Oh. What? Do you have family? Do you have any family in Texas? The, the only relative I have left in Texas I know of is the governor. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. Abbott? Yeah, we're second cousins. No way. 
Hey. Yeah. My mother knew him, uh, and he didn't know, but mother always voted Democratic. (laughs) And she'd say, David says hello, and he'd say, isn't he a Democrat? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the least of it. I remember his mother. Oh my he, he was uh, younger, you know. I remember his mother. I liked his mother a lot, uh, but I, I never really knew him. Uh, okay, all right. Well, that's uh, that's something. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. And yeah. are you are you um, enjoying your time in? I mean, does Bali feel like home to you, or what's your um, What's your thing? Um, I don't think about that. Let's see. Uh, yeah, um, we we uh, you know when I, I we got hold of a little money and the the, the rent in our home we could buy uh, it's all going oh. up. We 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 locked it in uh, really mm-hmm. low till almost twenty thirty one. Wow. And, uh, but we'll see, uh, what happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you get to see Kelly and your Yeah, he's been here twice. Clay. He's been here twice. Oh, we're nice. we're in constant contact. And Kelly and yeah. Clay. And, and Clay has, uh, two daughters and we're, we're in constant contact with them. Uh, we use Marco Polo. Mainly WhatsApp. Oh yeah, WhatsApp somebody told me about that just the other day. Oh, Marco Polo's great. Look, you you may it's they call it video um video walkie talkie. You make you make <laughs> uh you know you make some message on, on your video, uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, you can be pointing at you or pointing at whatever's in front of you, and then you uh-huh. send it. And then they they uh, watch it and listen to it when they have time, and send you back something okay. when they feel like it. And it's huh. much better than having to be together at the same time, which tends to drag on. Yeah, it's much more efficient. Yeah. I find yeah. it makes communication more efficient, and uh-huh. we have more communication. Oh wow! Is that a, a free app? Yeah. It's an app. Yeah, but I, I, I have the paid version, which is uh, okay. a little, okay. uh, it's, it, it, it's a, a little more convenient. It's not very sure. expensive. How long can the videos be? Any length. As long as you want. Yeah, oh, but that's right. not good. You want to keep them short. Five. Yeah. We try yeah. to keep them to five minutes. You, you know, if you mm-hmm. don't, you know, Kelly, uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, uh, if if Kelly sends along or Clay sends along one, uh, you know I listen to it as long as I can, and I'll stop and I'll get back to it later. Uh, oh, cool! Yeah, and, and I some, should suggest that to my daughter. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. Tell her to get Marco Polo. Yeah, it, it, they really okay. it really works well. Yeah. Um, uh, it took yeah. it took months for Kelly to get me to do it, and then once. I did it. It just caught on. Uh, uh, yeah, but you know. you're the second person, like, in three days who told me about it. I'm definitely going to look into it. Yeah. My daughter, Zena, is getting married in a year from now. Mm. So uh, 
we are really happy about that. We like him. He's great. And um, we, she was in Bali. Did, did we ever tell you that? She did a semester in Bali. When? <laughs> Zena, this was, oh, about 10 years ago. So. Uh, that's, we, we came here. It'll be 10 years in December. Okay. Yeah, it was a little before that. Mm. So, yeah. She told us about these like lizards that would be on the wall. Great. Oh, they're wonderful. Chachak. Yeah. Chachak are just the oh. greatest thing in the world. Oh, yeah, they're. Oh my God. Chachak are like a blessing in a home. Uh, oh, nice. Oh yeah, they're very, <laughs> very, very small, and they hide. They, you know, but we see oh. them. I could probably. Uh, Chachak? Chachak. C-A-C-A-K. And, uh, yeah, they're great. Um, Oh, I saw an ad on Instagram for uh, something that attracts Chachak and poisons them, kills them. And and I just wrote, I just wrote, this is truly evil. These, these, uh, these are, Chachaks are, are blessings. They purify a home. They guard the home from evil spirits. Aww. You know, it's terrible. I'm going to tell Zena that. I'm going to tell her that. Yeah. They're, they're wonderful. Um, hmm. we, 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 you know, we have our housekeeper, uh, clean that chachak mm-hmm. poop off the walls. It was, it, it very little, uh, you know, like maybe once a month, just go around. Get the little dark spots on, but it's fun. We'll be eating dinner, and and uh, there's, you know, we'll get to know one that's behind the the picture that's right by the dinner table. It'll come down, and oh, yeah. and the the table hits oh. the wall, and uh, you know, it's looking for anything we might drop uh, that could be something it could <laughs> eat, and we'll leave like little tiny crumbs or something, and and see if they're there the next day. Wow. Um, and oh, we'll, we'll notice them when they're fun. pregnant. Uh, they, they do hide, but some, I mean, the, the, the ones there behind that picture are, mm-hmm. they, they know us. So sometimes they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll yeah. come out and they'll sort of look at us or something. Um, oh gosh, how do, long are they? Like how big? Like they go from anywhere from half an inch to, well, that would be a baby. Maybe a big mm-hmm. one. I don't know if I've ever seen one that's four inches. More like two, uh-huh. three inches. Three inches, yeah. maybe. Uh, huh. uh, three, cool. that's pretty big. Two, three inches. Uh, yeah, and they oh, can, okay. you know, they can be on the ceiling. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're wonderful. Yeah. They're wonderful. I love them. Okay. Now, gecko are neat. Uh, and we have gecko around here some. Uh, and uh-huh. gecko make... A pretty gecko can get really big. They can get, you know, two feet oh, and wow. stuff. And, and wow. they can be extremely uh, loud in their call. Uh, but <laughs> but the gecko around here, uh, uh, we don't have real big ones like that. They, they, sort of, I really mm-hmm. enjoy hearing them. Um, mm. You can Google oh, cool. it and, and say, you know, listen to a gecko. And you can hear different types okay. of gecko. Okay. Online, I can. David, how often do you um, 
go to Germany. Do you go I there went there one practice? time from here. That's the only oh, time I've left oh. uh, oh, Asia. Okay. Okay. Are there any Buddhist pra- like Buddhist practice centers uh, where you are in Bali? Um, well, I've Not done really. Vipassana retreats here with Myanmar monks. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, uh-huh. But I was just, there was a really interesting one. I signed up for a 10-day retreat. No, it was actually be 11 days uh, in April. And uh, I was rejected because I'm too old. Uh, oh, my God. And uh, anyway, I, I just turned 78. So I thought I... I, there's another type of retreat here that's easier, and uh, and, and I'm I'm close with the teacher, and, and he studied Vipassana, but he's sort of he's a Chinese Balinese, and uh, he's uh, mm-hmm. he teaches uh, healing, uh, which is nice. It's just mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just breath work, and uh, I like him. No, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, mainly mm-hmm. I just sit mm-hmm. at home. Uh, I'm, I'm not yeah. really, I'm not yeah. really overly uh, yeah. interested in doing anything more than that. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. I, I like doing that. <laughs> yeah. And and nice. And you're steeped in Suzuki Roshi stories. <laughs> well, yeah. You're well, always you're always pondering his the stories about Suzuki Roshi. No, I don't ponder it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think about it. Really, I just, um, I just, uh, preserve just write it. Write them down. I preserve it for okay. others. Uh, okay. All right. I really don't think about I'd it. I don't think about Buddhism. See that because, <laughs> okay. Okay. Cause I mean, there's a little bit of a danger and I'm just riffing here, but you know, people will think, oh, these are really important Zen stories, but are they? I don't know. Well, uh, it depends on how things are presented. You know, uh, mm-hmm. that's not the nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not the vibe he uh, put out or that's mm. come from him. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I never met him. I never met yeah. him. Yeah. His trip was more just be yourself. Uh, mm. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, like somebody, when one of the vignettes is somebody said to him, uh, I think it was Beverly Horowitz said, Rochi, uh, when I don't, when I'm not sure what to do, I don't know what to do about something. I think, what would Rochi do? Uh, is, is that a good approach? And he said, well, when I don't know what to do, should I say that? Uh, should I say, what would Roshi do? <laughs> no, he should say, what would Beverly do? Uh, oh, my God. Well, that's great. <laughs> yeah, she understood right away when I, said I look that. forward. Okay. I really look forward to reading, reading this. And I know you've got some of that up, right, on com now. Everything's there. Stories, Everything's there. Oh, okay, good. Uh, also, good, I good. I uh, uh, I created a second edition of uh, Crooked Cucumber with um, a number of 
corrections and updates. Uh, now, oh. uh, uh, the, the, uh, the publisher is what? Penguin Random House. They, 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 you know, it doesn't sell enough for them to publish it, but the, the audio book is second edition and you can see all the changes for the second edition on cube.com. I think I'll, I'll just put mm-hmm. the whole book back on. I took it off. Um, we had oh. the first edition and second edition where you could go from one uh-huh. to the other. I, I think I'll. Is it out of, are they not selling, is Random House not selling it anymore? Oh, no, they still, it's still available. But they don't care if you, they don't mind if you put it up on your web, the whole book. They up don't on the website? know. They don't, are you kidding? Oh, you're one of those. I, yeah, uh, I never pay any attention to that stuff. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely probably against your, wait, was your contract with Penguin Random House for the book? Yeah, it wasn't Penguin Random House at that time. It was, oh. it was, it was, um, Broadway, uh, which was oh, under, yeah. uh, Batam, no, under, uh, oh. under another, another publisher, which was under uh-huh. Random House, which was under Bertelsmann in Germany. Right, uh, right. Well, congratulations, because you got, you certainly had one of the biggest publishers around. Yeah, that was, uh, <sighs> That was, uh, but that came out in 1998 in, in, no, 1999, yeah, nice. uh, oh. and, uh, that, that supported, uh, me and Elon and, uh, 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 well, yeah, yeah, that, 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 and, and for 10 years, for the 10 years leading up to it. <laughs> uh, nice. And, wow. yeah, but. Okay. Okay. Uh, gotcha. Get a little time. But publishing now for me is mainly pro bono work for Shambhala. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and I get <laughs> I get crumbs <laughs> thrown to me occasionally. Uh, we get by on uh, donations. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And Michael Katz um, was your agent for the puke, right? He's the, uh, he's uh, what I call my co-conspirator. Oh, okay. Because we visited him. I think, did Richard tell you? We saw him in Nevada City when last time we were visiting Zena in Truckee last, just a few months ago. Oh, wonderful. I I did hear about that. We went over there. It was, you did? Well, I heard about it. I can't remember now from whom or what. Well, all right. Well, I think, uh, I think uh, we had a very good um, overview. Um, thanks. For, I mean, my God, went through quite a bit. Not everything. Yeah. The the broad outlines. Yeah, it was great. You had some really neat things to say. Uh, and I really appreciate you saying that you learned to say thank you at Zen Center. Mm, okay, good. Well, that was neat. Uh, True. Yeah. Well, been wonderful speaking with you. Tell Richard Lowe. Tell tell him I'd like to do another one with him. I, I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, he I was mean. one of my very early ones, and uh, I had like specific idea of what to talk about with him. I'd I, I'd like to do more general thing with him, like you and I just did. Uh, yeah. And, I mentioned it, and he said, "Oh, that would be great." And he. 
he said you're really fun to talk with. So yeah, uh, he, well, he's fun to talk with. He I, enjoyed the experience. Uh, uh, I always liked him got, a lot. Uh, huh? He just got a nice grant uh, for his next book. He'll be that he can take a year off at the National Humanities Center to work on his new the biography of D.T. Suzuki. Wow. So he's very happy right now. Yeah. But we'll tell you more about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, wonderful speaking with you. Yeah. Really nice. You know how it is at Zen Center, I found, unless you get to, we were very close in some ways, but in a lot of ways we didn't know that much about each other's lives, I think. At least that's how some people we got to know pretty well, but we lived with people, but I didn't know so much about their lives, you know, their past lives. So there's a lot to learn when I talk to people. Well, you're doing incredible work, and it's just going to get more and more and more important as time goes on. So I hope uh, I hope you know that. I'm sure you, you do. And keep it going. It's really needed. Well, I can say with a certain amount of confidence that I think it will continue at least through today. I call archiving uh, preserving things a little bit longer. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to think about that and uh, let the conversation we had resonate and I, I appreciate it very much. Thank you, David. Thank, Thank you. This was fun. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay. Hopefully see you one of these days. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Take care. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. So thanks a lot, Elaine Maisner. Uh Thanks for sharing all that. It was most interesting. And um it'd be interesting to see what you do in retirement. I don't think you're going to lay back and snooze. <laughs> so maybe we'll revisit you again sometime in the future. So this has been a Cuke Audio Podcast. I'm DC Poobov Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives. Coming to you from Sleepy Sonora with Doggett Bandita and dear, lovely Katrinka. And we're wishing you and yours and all of us a grand awakening. Mm-hmm.